Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. We have two very special guests today. Hugh Rogovi founded the Rogovi Foundation in 2015 after a successful career with Satori Software, which he co-founded in 1982. He holds a BA in philosophy from Miami University. After living in Seattle, then London for many years, Hugh now makes New York City his home, from where he shares a passion for travel, painting, and documentary films. Hugh sees the Rogovi Foundation as a means to contribute to the future of our planet, focusing upon his interests in education, civics, and the environment. With a primary focus upon documentary films, the Foundation has now supported over 70 projects with over $2 million in grants. Since relocating to New York City, Lulu Parent has been working for the Rigovi Foundation and is now the Foundation's manager for grant development. She oversees the Miller Packin Documentary Fund, which has provided over $1 million to nearly 60 films to date. She also explores and develops other funding activities, looking for opportunities for the foundation to further its mission of supporting education, the environment, and civics in ways that can have an impact. And Carol, the Rogovi Foundation grant has benefited many filmmakers, hasn't it? Oh, you're right, Claire. Thank you both for joining us. We're honored to have the two of you. And let's start with an overview of the Rogovi Foundation, its mission, and what inspired you to establish the foundation. Please. Uh, thank you, Carol. Um, I had quite a, quite a long and successful career in, in software, and uh, the company was sold. Um, uh, happily for everyone involved, including the employees. And uh, basically, as, as the, you know, my, my son and Lulu and I discussed, you know, what, what could we do to give back, to use that phrase. And we landed, of course, we wanted to start a foundation, but the question was, what is the foundation's focus and mission? And we really landed on uh, documentary film as being a, a wonderful vehicle to, to uh, create some impact and change because of how people relate to documentaries. Um, as, a, as a side line emphasis, we also um, focus a lot on investigative journalism, which we can talk about a little bit later, but it overlaps with the documentary films. Investigative journalism, yes, we will get into that. That's very important. Uh, but thank you for deciding on documentary films. I thank you for all the filmmakers that you've helped because a good documentary will take an issue that you may have heard something about 
and, and want to know more. And when they get through, when you get through with the uh, documentary, you really feel empowered. You feel like you've got both sides of the situation. And usually it'll be presented without any bias, only uh, good data that uh, lets you know what the issue is all about. I find uh, that docs, uh, well, Michael Moore helped take it out of the closet and turn it into a financially <laughs> rewarding uh, yeah. film. It was wonderful when he made that sale of $10 million. Everybody was shocked. <laughs> but from then on, it opened the doors for all of us. So, um, great. So tell us how you came from software development into supporting filmmakers. There are parallels there, right? There's, there is quite a bit. And using Michael Moore as an example, that was, that's actually a great example because I think that helped ignite the fact that we're kind of in a golden age for documentaries right now. There's so many avenues for distribution. Um, so, so what drew us to... to supporting documentaries is we love documentaries that you know a, a great documentary just has a lot of impact it's it's um, it's a great way to spend an hour and a half and you learn a lot uh, the parallels with software development and filmmaking uh, maybe it's stretching it a little bit but they're both project oriented they both require a lot of investment of time and money to to um, come up with a vision it's a very collaborative effort, whether it's software or filmmaking. There's lots of people involved. Um, it, um, 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 you know, it, it, the the parallels, I guess, of, of just executing the project seem to seem to overlap enough for me to relate to it. And then we have a lot of friends uh, in the film industry, and we've had a lot of friends in the film industry over the years. So getting up to speed in terms of supporting filmmaking was pretty easy for us. We, we, we sort of had a step or two in that direction already. This is great because it is a lengthy timeline. Um, it takes an average of six years to make a documentary. I yeah, don't tell right. that to too many filmmakers because it can sound <laughs> discouraging. But you do, you since you know, uh, after working with software development, you know the uh, focus that's required, then that would be one of the things you would look for, I'm sure, in your applications, how dedicated and how committed they are to the film. That's a key Absolutely. factor in making a decision, right? Absolutely, yes. we're really impressed uh, with with the the effort people put into into their projects. Yes, because many of these filmmakers uh, uh, have to have a day job to support themselves <laughs> while they're making the film. So you know that every minute it goes into that film. From you can read it from your documentary proposal, and if and when they get the log line right, you know. <laughs> Their heart is in it. That's, so um, I understand that you run the foundation with Lulu and your son, Asher. So tell us what that's like for all three of you to work together. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. We're, we're, all three of us were involved uh, right from the beginning of, of 
of uh, the foundation's first days. There's a nice generational mix uh, of millennial and boomers. Um, we we kind of uh, we'll, we'll talk about individual projects with a slightly different perspective. So it's kind of nice to get that perspective uh, hashed out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's actually been quite quite easy for for the three of us. We 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 collaborate really well. It's it's, it's a small operation effectively. Um, We're usually very much on the same page as well, so it makes it very easy um, and a friendly environment to work in. And even when we're selecting our grantees, it's pretty seamless. We're, we agree, very rarely disagree. We don't have to <laughs> fight for films, so it's, it's quite a nice um, environment for sure. That sounds lovely. That's great. <laughs> Um, you like docs, and you like supporting the fourth estate, I've heard, right? Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, the reasoning behind that is, is, you know, for a successful functioning democracy, access to information is critical. And in our country, having this fourth estate probing and, and, and uncovering and explaining things is just a pillar of our democracy. And it, it seems like sometimes it's under threat. So, so we want to be sure that it's, we can do what we can to help support it. Exactly. That is very important to all of us. Uh, so let me ask, do you fund short documentaries from 40 Minutes and Down? Um, we don't. We only fund uh, feature-length documentaries at a minimum of 70 minutes. Um, that's that's the way we stand currently. This may change in the future, um, but we just find that short films don't adequate, adequately fulfill the, the, um, their vision for a film, and that's we, we have we have some criteria that we stick to just so we. We don't get too many applications for one, and um, that's that's it. Okay, great, great. So 70 minutes minimum. All right. Well, I was inspired by the ideals and values section on your website because it painted a detailed and vivid picture of a brighter world for all of us. So can you share the foundation's values and your vision for the future where films play a an important role. Yeah, <clears throat> it's 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 um, it's hard to summarize it, I suppose, without it sounding like just platitudes. But you know, basically, um, you know, our our, our vision is, it, and values are are progressive. We do believe uh, strongly that education and critical thinking are fundamental to having a successful documentary. Um, so on our website, we do go into you know more specifics along that line. Um, but you know one of our phrases is to educate, inspire, and enrich. And um, we, we feel like film can do a, a really good job with that because the visual engagement is quite effective for reaching a large audience. Uh, it seems like documentary films are really well liked by everyone, and. Uh, so, so 
it's we 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 sort of run without vision and uh, uh, those ideals and values are kind of our north star so to speak uh when we look at documentary projects it's, and um documentary film documentary films are you know educational entertainment so it's it's really easy to capture someone and to teach them something without without having to put them through school or or to <laughs> Yes. Don't feel like they're learning anything. Right, a good film, and you will be shocked that the time, that an hour has passed. I, I find many times because you can get so involved in the content. Right, <laughs> and a bad film does the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's why uh, I heard Netflix in Cannes, uh, I streamed it in, and they were talking about the first seven minutes. You have to hook me in the first seven minutes or I'm gone. Uh, and yeah. uh, that's very important for documentaries too, don't you think? It is for any film, I think. But, yeah, absolutely for documentaries. You know, um, uh, you're you're really asking somebody to sit through something and – if it's not there in the first seven minutes, it's not going to it's not going to show up later. And there's so much content these days that it's it's hard to for someone to commit if they can just you know browse around and find something better. So I think that's that it. the hook is very. And that's what they do, uh, Lulu. They say if you, they stay past seven minutes, there it's a winner. So you're right. They make early decisions. Well. Um, some I really want to go over some of the films that you supported. Um, so you gave me a list, and one of them was Bastard's Road. And here, here's what I found on the log line online. It says, dedicated to taking veterans on long-distance hikes to heal the wounds of war. Or as we like to say, hike long distances, figure some stuff out. Sounds like a great film. This one, this one's definitely one of our favorites. Partly, um, uh, th- this filmmaker, this was an inexperienced filmmaker, and uh, was cobbling together funds to make the film. Uh, but the film was quite, uh, quite successful, and, and, and addresses, you know, a lot of the PTSD issues. Um, but for publicity, it came out um, around Memorial Day a couple of years ago, and as a result, the film got some national um, press and mentions on some of the some of the national TV shows. It's all re- it's also really screened a lot in um, small towns and been available to veterans across the country, and I think that's one of the films that has had significant impact. Um, on a on very personal levels for these for these men, um, right? A lot of veterans are really suffering today from something that happened 20 years ago, and they're still processing it. And a film like this, you know, kind of lets them know, a that they're not alone, and b there's a journey forward. Yes, uh, understanding how other people are handling the situation that you're not alone, that in itself is a great benefit. I'm so happy that the veterans were able to, that they've made it available to them in small towns. This is wonderful. 
and you you uh, you funded a film called Healing from Hate. And Healing from Hate examines the root cause of hate groups activity through the bold work of those battling intolerance on the front lines. Featuring Life After Hate, which is an organization founded by former skinheads and neo-Nazis to help others exit hate. What a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is kind of a gripping film because it's, you know, the, the, there's a lot of raw emotions and, and, and conversations that occur throughout. But um, but it's also a battle uh, and and uh, for those involved to kind of get over this this mindset and we found the and family. family you know they're part of this family amongst these groups and it's, it's very hard to break free of that right mm-hmm. yes right <laughs> that's the same thing gangs well I did a film about the gangs in Mexico, how people who are on the street or have no family find that is their family. You know, that's why they get into the gang. It substitutes for a family. And hate would be, uh, and people who hate would be a family of their own. So breaking away from the family is not easy. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for that. And losing sight of shore sounds like really ambitious a team of four brave women set out to row across the Pacific Ocean from America to Australia. It, one of the best docs I've ever seen was one of the reviews. Did they make it? They made it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, it, it was difficult. It was definitely a journey, and that's what the film uncovers. And, and we, we were on their journey with them. Um, the way they actually filmed the film, you know, there's cameras on this very small rowboat and you're you're in with them blood sweat and tears and it's it's quite gripping and it's it's an emotional film as well yeah netflix picked this one up pretty quickly uh it's really well done oh well i'll look for it on netflix because um that is a very brave film for those women how many uh, do you know how long it took them? Uh, there were four women. One didn't quite make it and got replaced, I think, toward the end. Um, but I believe it, you know, it may have been six months or so, give or take. Ah, yeah. Yeah. And, I can't remember. Uh, of, of course, there's disasters along the way. They had to turn around at one one or two points and you know the, the the question of whether or not they could, that they'll make it you know is was always ever present um, yeah it's six months at sea sorry to interrupt um, wow but yeah it's, it's um I will, it, 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 it you know the characters are good so you really relate to their difficulties and um, you can imagine yourself being in this little rowboat for six months <laughs> No, that's unbelievable. Wow, that sounds great. 
So, and then you funded a film called The Guardians. This is an investigative documentary that examines uh, the systemic abuse of elderly people in Las Vegas, Nevada, exposing a cautionary tale where some of our society's most vulnerable citizens are robbed of their life savings. Wow. Tell us about yeah. that film. Yeah, this was, this was also... Um, you know, quite quite important. The the focus the action takes place in Las Vegas, but there's similar localities or jurisdictions that have a similar set of rules. And what it boils down to is is a guardian of an elderly person can more or less through the court system get that elderly person um, classified as, as, as not capable of taking care of their assets or themselves, and it becomes a way to enrich, the, the guardians can enrich themselves from basically the, the people they are protecting uh, are, are getting swindled, uh, or, or their bank accounts are getting drained. And the, the film goes into some actual case history, just recently. You see some footage in, in, in the courtroom and whatnot, and uh, it's also heart wrenching because some of the elderly people are going, uh, "I feel fine. There's nothing wrong with me. And why are they taking away my stuff?" Some of them still have families as well, and they're, they're they have no control over this either. So it's it's quite heartbreaking. Wow! But exposing it is what is so important. Thank you very much for funding that. Um, and then we have Storm Lake, which is uh, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, Art Cullen, and his family uh, unite to inform their Iowan farming community through their bi-weekly newspaper, the Storm Lake Times, come hell or pandemic. <laughs> yeah. That must have been fun. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the, the, the main character... Um, it, he's quite interesting, actually. He's a little bit like a Mark Twain kind of kind of guy, uh, with a big mustache and uh, long hair, but gray hair. But the you know the the the, the storyline is the Storm Lake newspaper is just like a, a couple thousand other local newspapers. They're really suffering from a decline in advertising and distribution with the internet taking over that, that uh, position. And what happens when these local newspapers f fade away is you also lose local journalists. And there's more to local journalism than just reporting high school um, football scores. <laughs> it's, you know, there's corruption at every level. It's not, it doesn't all happen in Washington, D.C. So, so having local journalism as a viable uh, platform is, is really important. And so this film focuses on, on, you know, a lot of the issues around what's going on with these small newspapers. And then uh, Art in this, um, Art Cullen, who, who's the publisher, actually, when this film came out, there was also a lot of national press. He was actually on TV quite a bit talking about the film and, and the situation. And um, um, it, it definitely helps shine a light on, on, on 
what the problems are at the local level when it comes to journalism. Yes. It's so important that we keep the local papers going. I understand. And and talking about local journalists, uh, yes, um, to bring up problems in the city or the county or whatever's going on um, locally to uh, yeah. inform us. You're right. We can't lose those local uh, writers. Um, so that's right. great. And it, yeah, and unfortunately, they are disappearing rapidly. Um, we've had a couple. We've had several submissions about this topic. In fact, um, not not that many have become films yet. But uh, you know, one scenario is there's a private equity firm uh, that's just basically buying them up. Uh, not not necessarily even small newspapers. Actually, good-sized newspapers like in New Orleans or 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 other major cities, uh, they're buying the company, the newspaper, they're, they're basically firing two-thirds or more of the staff, which is mostly editorial, and they're milking it for, you know, whatever momentum is left over. Oh, my goodness. This is really not good. No. <laughs> uh, not good at all. No, I don't like that idea. Uh, well, and then uh, you funded the territory. Uh, this provides an immense, on, immersive, on-the-ground look at the tireless fight of the indigenous people against the encroaching deforestation brought on by farmers and illegal settlers in the Brazilian Amazon. So this would be one of your international films, right? Right, and, and this is a pretty large budget uh, film, you know, so we're just one of the supporters. Uh, but National Geographic uh, is, is, is a primary producer of it, and it, it's still playing today um, on, on the National Geographic channel. Disney Plus. Um, Disney Plus. And, um, but, you know, within the story, um, there is this, mostly uncontacted tribe in, in the Amazon area that um, uh, is, is, is the subject of, of this territory. They're, they're losing their, their land to illegal log, uh, logging, effectively. Uh, they're trying to fight back. The filmmakers couldn't spend a lot of time with them filming because this was during COVID and they didn't want to risk bringing the disease in there. So they effectively gave a couple cameras to a couple of the tribesmen. So a lot of the footage actually came, from, you know, on the ground in real time, chasing down uh, loggers and, and or running from loggers. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of action. It's, it's, it's quite fantastic, yeah. the, the editing that was put into that as well. And, and sadly, one of, one of the tribesmen, was killed actually by one of these illegal loggers in this, in this in the, during the filmmaking process. Um, so it's you know it's a big it's a big topic. It's a, it's a um, the, the film's gotten a lot of publicity. Uh, we hope it'll have impact. Oh, I'm sure of it. That uh, that is marvelous. Some of, I saw some of the pictures and the color, incredible color. And uh, good lighting. Uh, it looked like professional photography, not not giving yeah, it to absolutely. indigenous people. That's incredible. Exactly. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, it, the, that footage came out really well. Well, the last one I wanted to cover is 26 to Life, the San Quentin Prison Marathon, has an unconventional route. It's 105 dizzying laps around a crowded prison yard. It's a documentary that tells the story of incarcerated men who are members of the 1,000-mile club, the prison's long-distance running club, and they train all year for this 26-mile race. That sounds really good. It's quite an uplifting story. Um, the character development is, is really wonderful. You, 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 you are really bought into uh, the characters and, 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 and what's going on. Um, and it has, it has a pretty nice ending, too, because um, um, he, you know, one of the characters got to actually run in uh, the Boston Marathon. He was released from prison and actually made it to the Boston Marathon and was able to compete um, with a brilliant score, if I remember correctly. Yeah, right. Um, and this, the entire film is, is, is really riveting, and um, the director, in fact, hired one of the prison, uh, prison inmates to do the soundtrack, um, which is wonderful. Um, and this actually, I think it premiered last year at Doc NYC, um, which is one of four wow. films that we had at Doc NYC that year. So that's that's quite wonderful oh. for us. <laughs> what an achievement! Four films. Oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah, that was wow. We, yeah, we were we were pleasantly surprised to see to see them all come together like that. Um, so all the films that you mentioned, and of course all the fil- other films unmentioned, um, we have a, a section of our website called a viewing room, um, which has links to each of the films and, and with more information and where they can be viewed or rented uh, online. And that's okay. um, that's updated regularly. Good. So when films are released, you know, I'll add a section on there where when and how to see the film. Um, so right. definitely check it out if, if you have the time. <laughs> yes, well, no, it's, these are very interesting films. They're all, uh, they all have their own special energy. And, uh, but this running like that, empowering people, making them focus on their body and healing themselves, uh, because when you are run, I do run, uh, and when you do, a lot of things come up. You have to. It's amazing that it comes up when you're out there all alone. You think that you're peaceful. No, uh, things you get rid of a lot of stuff inside you through running. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that helped them emotionally, and also to um, to repent and straighten their lives out. Right. Yeah. That's similar to Bastard's Road in that way, you know, he's on a walking journey, but it's 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 parallel for sure. Yes. Right. Well, um so let's um talk about the documentary film application process. Um how many applicants uh or applications do you receive and how many are funded and the typical funding amount. I was wondering if you could share that with us. Sure. Um, 
So we follow the core application uh, format, which uh, I think was implemented by the IDA, um, uh -huh. and it's all documented online. So we're we're part of that group, um, and we feel by the, by keeping this format, applicants can you know easily apply to multiple foundations or funds, and they have this one document that's ready with, they may make some tweaks, but it, it simplifies the process for them and for us as well. We feel that if everyone's applying in a similar format, then everyone's on a level playing field and it allows us to compare the projects side by side very efficiently. Um, so it's, it's efficient and important both for the filmmakers and for us as a judging panel to have this format. Um, as far as applications, we get about 600 a year. Um, there's two uh -huh. open calls. Um, one has a deadline May 15th, and the other one is November 15th. Um, so from those 600 applications, we typically will grant eight to ten films. Um, so it's very competitive, and we have to filter through many applications and unfortunately have to reject many of those. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, well, that's yeah, so, so, I, so uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, was I just want to repeat ask. May 15th and November 15th. Those are important dates. Yes. Right. But, you know, um, applicants should submit any time of the year. They're, those are just the deadlines. Um, we do like to receive the submissions a little before the deadline because um, they tend to all arrive on the very last week, which <laughs> a lot of pressure on us. That's very true. I know that's filmmakers, but I've gotten used to that. Uh, when I first started my grant, uh, I... Um, was shocked because I, I it was uh, three days before the grant, and I think I had got maybe five applications, and so I was really despondent and so sad. And uh, I had a, a film business at the time, so I was in Chicago thinking about what did I do wrong, and I, you know I want to <laughs> give money away and all this, and nobody's interested. What's happening? And about. Two days after the grant, I got a phone call from my L.A. office saying, you won't believe this, but the post office actually delivered two baskets of mail. The post office never delivered to us. I was in Hollywood. Forget about it. You had to go get your own mail. And that was a shocking situation. And I realized that they all wait to the last day. They do. Yep. Yeah, and that was that's similar to our, our very first open call as well. We had, you know, met quite a few, several dozen ap applications at that point on the last day, and then the emails just started coming in. I was I was clicking refresh till midnight, and every time I clicked refresh, there was you know another five or ten. It was really quite interesting, um, but yeah, it's an avalanche. Uh, I do want to mention. Um, I think you're asking um, what stage of, of uh, filmmaking do we fund? And, yes. Um, so, so we um, 
almost exclusively either do uh, films that are in advanced development, production, or post-production. Uh, if it's early development, we're that's just doesn't seem to be what what we're geared toward. I think there's not enough information for us to go upon. Um, the grant amounts, if it's if it's in development, advanced development, range ten to fifteen thousand. Um, but if they're if they're really into production or post production, our typical grants twenty five thousand. Great. That is such a big help. Thank you so much for that. Um, all right, so what advice can you give filmmakers applying for your fund? What are some of the qualities you look for in the films you select? So um, there's lots of little things, I suppose, that add up to, to, to big things. There's, there's some, some things that we'll see as red flags. There's some things that we get our interest up and then we, you know, we're really digging into the project deeper. Um, so in no particular order, though, I, I do have a couple points to talk about. Um, this is this is more me than than others here, but <laughs> I, I'm a stickler for the log line. And in our application, that's the first question they need, need to fill out is what's the log line of the project. And it's remarkable how many filmmakers really don't understand what a log line is. And we'll get sometimes two paragraphs as the log line. Uh, we'll get log lines that are in all caps, um, that, that are nonsensical. Um, so it really reflects poorly on the filmmaker if, if they don't understand the importance and how to construct a log line to capture that attention uh, in, in a quick one or two sentence phrase, that, that's, that's a big red flag. Um, and to any listeners who don't know what a log line is, just, just Google it. There's plenty of information online describing how to, what, what makes an effective log line. Um, and you don't, Often filmmakers, it seems, um, are trying to tell the whole story in the log line. You know, there, there's going to be room for that later on in the application. So they, they shouldn't be scared that they're not giving us enough in the log line. It should just be a hook, and then later on, they'll, they're going to describe their project. Yeah, yes. The next thing that we, the next thing we run into a lot. Um, uh, our phrase is topic fatigue. Uh, we <laughs> yes. and, and uh, you you probably experienced this. You know, topics topic ideas come in waves, and um, there's certain topics o over time that just become really popular. And as a result, we'll get 20, 30 applications on the same topic because it's just in the air, it's in the atmosphere. People feel like it, this, is, this needs to be addressed. Problem is when you have 20, 30, or 40 film projects on the same topic, the likelihood that they will be the one successful uh, uh, filmmaker is, is pretty, it's an uphill battle. <laughs> yes, um, understood, right. 
So, yeah, so I'd be very thoughtful about what topic um, you choose because it may be obvious and maybe, you know, there may be a need for that topic to be explored. But unless you have uh, some special sauce that the other 30 or 40 filmmakers don't have, you're really making it difficult for yourself. And there should really be a, a story. There, there, they should be showing us something, not just information about a topic. You know, it should be, we should want to watch this story unravel. Right. Uh, yes. The, the next thing I'd, I'd mention is, is to, to anyone listening is just uh, really use our website and understand our guidelines. It's, it's, um, it, it's surprising how many people simply email us and say, what, you know, um, are you accepting applications now? Or, or when, you know, when is the open call uh, deadline? Um, or I've got a 20-minute film, can I, can I apply? And so many of these questions are pretty clearly listed on the website. Um, again, these are red flags or deal breakers, um, but that's, that's one of those tips I would just pass on. Good. Um, I, I wrote down uh, for this question, actually, I wrote down avoid all caps in the title, log line, synopsis. It's really bad form. It's, it's kind of surprising we'll get, you know, um, a, a full application that's just in all caps. <laughs> it's like, that's going to make it better. <laughs> I always feel that um, when they're in all caps, it sounds like they're screaming, and it's, it's, it's definitely bad form. <laughs> And then I'll right. just kind of re repeat a little bit of what Lulu was mentioning, which is, you know, the, the, the project needs to be relatable. You know, someone could have a great topic or great cinematography or, or, or this or that. But um, as, a, as, a, as a viewer, you need to be able to relate to the story, the, the characters. And a lot of the submissions we get, are, let's say, a personal story, perhaps an illness or an unsolved crime or some injustice, which is really important to the storyteller, the filmmaker. But if you're trying to reach an audience, and if it's not relatable, this personal story or, or injustice, you're, not going, you're just not going to capture our attention. Or a, or a viewer's attention. So um, uh, we talk about that uh, in, in various ways, but just the idea that the film needs to be relatable is, is often overlooked, surprisingly. Yes. Yes, because uh, people have so many choices these days that you right. really need to uh, give them a good story, compelling story that you want to hear what's going to happen next. That's mm -hmm. right. So uh, are there any other factors uh, that help you identify projects that you wish to support? Well, since you asked. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, another kind of a high-level message that, that's related to what we just talked about in, in terms of it being relatable is a filmmaker 
has this 90-minute or 100-minute film, they're asking us as an audience to, to give up our time, to give up an hour and a half or two hours to watch the story. Like you just said, Carol, there's lots of, you know, there's lots of alternative ways to capture our attention. So if you're going to ask us to spend an hour and a half with you listening to a story, the story needs to be entertaining or of high interest. And it can't just be, here's the facts of some problem or injustice or, or um, something that could, could also be related by reading or understood by reading a five-minute article, of, you know, in a, in a magazine. Uh, if you're going to make, if you're going to ask us to sit through a full-length film, it, there has to be a reason we want to sit through that. So it, 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 making it entertaining is, is surprisingly overlooked. Um, I think people are often really wrapped up in their story that they feel like they need to tell. The issue. The issue. And sure, that gets the facts out there, but... As you said, if, if we're not interested after seven minutes, you know, we're off to the next thing, which used to be 10 right. minutes. But I guess <laughs> this is what we're um, We're all so, in a hurry these days. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, so a so good story, story with strong characters, right, you're yeah, looking for? Exactly. Yeah, and I think I, I, somebody used the phrase forward motion or something, you know, but the, the idea that there's rising stakes or a reason, you know, what happens next, you're, you're keenly interested in how it gets resolved. Uh, the other things we're looking for is impact. Um, you know, a lot of times the, the topic is, is small, it's legitimate, but whether or not an entire film is going to be watched for some small topic that has very little impact um, is, is going to be difficult for us to get behind. Um, and kind of along with that is, is who's the audience. So, so we've actually had film submissions where they describe their audience and it's, it's basically a really small group of niche uh, High school students or something? Uh, yeah, something that most people really don't care about, but <laughs> but um, but they believe that 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 audience will justify them spending six years and lots of money to creating this film. Um, so you, I would just be aware of, of who the potential audience might be and whether it's it's worth the effort terms of creating the film. And the potential impact that might have. Yeah. And then we also look very carefully at their distribution strategy. Um, uh, naturally, everyone wants their film on Netflix or Hulu or something like that. Um, um, we, we would love to see that for all of our films, um, national distribution, national platforms. Not all of them get there, of course, um, but we're looking for that possibility that there'll be some wide distribution. Yes, and where uh, where do they see the film going? This You really have to fight to get that information. It's almost as if they haven't thought that far, and it's like <laughs> yeah. starting your own business and not knowing what your goals are, you know? 
that's ex that's exactly right. Yeah, that's a good good analogy. So thank you very much because I do teach filmmaking, and I wrote up a an outline for distribution and marketing, and it has these four things in it. And uh, who's your audience? And don't tell me 18 to 36. No, I really want to know who they are, a composite character. Anyway, uh, you're so right. This is These are critical things for filmmakers to think of early on because maybe it's just too small for the time and, and money that's involved. You're right. There's not a big enough audience. Or you're not going to have enough impact. And really, filmmakers, uh, particularly documentary filmmakers, seldom get paid for the full amount of time they put in their films, as you know, I'm right. sure. Right. So what make the, sure what that four, you've got them. What were the four things that you mentioned <laughs> in your distribution um, uh, well, I want uh, I want to know what you're doing with your social media. How are you marketing the film now? Where right. where is your audience? Not only who, but where can you find them <laughs> online? Where do they hang out? And do you know who they are? Um, I rec and I get ask them to go look at some of your or interview people that you have who are following you and find out. Ten questions that I created for them to find out who they are, where they hang out online, where they get their news, so you get an understanding of the audience, and then you know how to reach them. Yeah, that's excellent. So it's all an education process. I'm still I'm still being educated every day. So uh, that's why I love this business. It's ever changing, isn't it? It is. That's right. Distribution is changing, and word of mouth is changing. Social media, yeah, there's a lot. So um, now, is funding available to international filmmakers? Right. It is, and we we have funded several uh, films that are based overseas. Um, we we're looking for English subtitles if it's, if, if it's not an English language film. Um, and the biggest hiccup we run into is the, their unfamiliarity with fiscal sponsorship. And, um, you know, maybe your listeners today have a good understanding of that. Um, otherwise, we could go, we or you, Carol, could go into that. Well, yes, I'd love to hear more. So, as I said, you know, we'll, we'll get uh, inquiries from, you know, let's say Great Britain, and, and there's no concept of, of uh, fiscal sponsorship. As a foundation, we can only distribute funds to 501c3 um, public charities. Public, yeah, charities. I, and, right. And. Um, it's unlikely that uh, a filmmaker based in Britain is going to either have a charity or even understand the rules in the U.S. Even in the U.S., that's unlikely. I find that most of the films that we fund uh, have a fiscal sponsor. In fact, the most serious filmmakers already have a fiscal sponsor when they apply and they list that in their application. It just makes everything a little easier. Um, 
And basically a fiscal sponsor is acts um, as a bridge between our foundation and the filmmaker. And that's just so that um, they can receive tax deductible funding. And it's pretty easy as far as I understand to set up a fiscal sponsor. Um, I know that from the Heart Production is a fiscal sponsor as well. And I think we send them the money, the fiscal sponsor, and they transfer that money to the filmmaker, um, less uh, a small fee. I think it's any, anywhere from 3 to 10%. And it, that mostly, I think, covers their overhead. And I yes. do think all of this is explained very well on your website. So if anyone is listening and needs to know more information, that would be a place to, to go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, it's really important because when people apply for grants, they have to apply under our name. So many, many times we're the ones that sign the contracts, and then it is our job to see the filmmaker fulfills the contract. So it's a, it's a wonderful way to know that the money you're giving will be used properly and uh, and any uh, any future information you've asked for will be received in a timely basis. Uh, so, yes, a fiscal sponsor uh, is uh, has a big responsibility, but, uh, but we take it very seriously about educating people on. And I start with logline you because <laughs> I am totally in agreement. <laughs> Give me a good log line and I'm hooked. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, I thank you so much. There's things I didn't get to ask. One thing I can't go without knowing is do your teachers know that you named the Miller Packend Film Fund after them? One of them had passed away a, 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 quite a while ago. The other one actually... Um, Mrs. Packen uh, lived to the age of 106 and just passed away. Wow. This, yeah. And, and so, yes, she, uh, we talked on the phone, and I would send her um, updates as to what films we were funding. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I never, I never thought I'd be speaking to her, you know, decades later, but it, it, was, it was quite nice. What a Both wonderful teachers. thing you did. Yeah. They, 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 you know, talk about impact. Both of those teachers had outsized impact. Uh, I don't know, you know how, how common it is in this day and age, but they really prepared us for what's ahead in terms of critical thinking and, and, and knowledge. And, you know, the, the, the two matched up well with each other because one was – very idealistic, and 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 we learned from that. But the other one was very realistic, and we also learned from that. <laughs> and uh, it was quite great. Well, tell us, do you have uh, any plans for the near future? Uh, any initiatives, new initiatives on the horizon? Um, so... To begin with, well, it's going to be more of the same. We're 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 not evolving too rapidly, but we we do we do kind of keep our eye out for 
special opportunities, let's say. And um, one thing we've done is we've, we've partnered with an investigative journalism um, uh, newsroom called Center for, for Investigative Reporting, and um, they have a radio show called Reveal that's on a lot of public stations. But they're also now getting involved with some films, documentary, documentary films, uh, which are certainly investigative journalism focused. And uh, some of those projects we've stepped up and actually uh, provided extra funding to get it off the ground or to get it further along. And there's a couple other um, newsrooms that we're talking to that we might get them to do some things in the visual world as well. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, newsrooms to do something in the visual field. Oh, yes. Uh, because I remember the days when they, the news shot on 16 millimeter. I had a film company, and they would come in and buy their raw stock, you know, and uh, yeah. they were called stringers. They were out there um, chasing the cops' radios to go to all of the events and things that happened in the city and be there, film it, report, develop the film, get it on the 6 o'clock news. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, you know, it's challenging for, for you know, ProPublica is one of our favorite uh, supported newsrooms, and when they do a, a uh, feature, you know, it's going to be, you know, it might, it might it's going to be many, many pages, thousands of words, and unfortunately, in this day and age, a lot of people don't have time for that, so um, we're, like, yeah, we're kind of trying to promote the idea of, of more visual information good that's a great idea it it will have a wonderful audience well thank you both for your kindness uh first of all in creating and giving all these wonderful grants and for your time today we really thank you for sharing this information it's our pleasure and and, and I, I do want to ask, may I just ask a quick question real quick um, uh, sure. that I've been wondering about, and that is this. Um, Hugh and Lulu, are there any films that you feel are lacking, that there's not enough out there of, that you would like to see more filmmakers who are interested in making those films with those topics um, that you would like to be a part of? So that's a really good question. It's something that we've discussed a lot as well. Um, the answer is yes, but I can't tell you what, what those ideas are currently because my mind's going blank. But yeah, there are some. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure how to, to promote those ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that'll be the next interview we do with you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I apologize. I don't have the answer on the top of my head, but, but there are some. <laughs> well, you're open. This is what's so wonderful. When going through the list of films, we can see what a broad range uh, of films that you're interested in. And the one thing that ties them together is the information is empowering. Every film you've done would empower the viewer. Um, so thank yeah, you. One 
I do have one quick answer if there's time, which is the whole healthcare sure. industry. Um, you know, I, I was in France last month. I had to get a blood test. I don't have health insurance there. I, it was just walk in. Seventeen dollars later, I had my blood test in results in two hours, and that's so different than here. I would love to see some more uh, investigation as to why things are so expensive here in the healthcare industry. Mm. Well said. Yes. Yes. Totally agree. Well, thank you both. We sincerely appreciate the information, and good luck with your film funding. Thank you so much. Thank you you both so much. Okay. All right. Good care. Be well, everyone. Bye now. Thank you. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's david, R-A-I-K-L-E-N.com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.